Hello and welcome to Talking Shop. I'm Alex Cloy, journalist, Morgan owner and your host here to take you through some of Morgan's key moments, key people and biggest fans to help get you under the skin of one of the world's most unique car manufacturers. Today's guest is John Wells, head of design at the Morgan Motor Company. He tells us all about his 12 years at Morgan, how he got into cars in the first place, his time at Huddersfield University studying design, also about his first project for Morgan, which isn't exactly what you think it is, and the future of the industry. It's a fascinating chat, and I hope you enjoy. John Wells, Head of Design from the Morgan Motor Company. How are you today? Good afternoon, Alex. I'm very well, thank you. That is, that is how, are you, how are you surviving with the whole lockdown thing? Um, it's a bit surreal, isn't it? I guess that's the only word for it. It's, um, it's odd to be away from the studio for this long. Um, the weather's been nice, so it's been fun sitting inside and looking at it through a window. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose you can't uh, with with the uh, with uh, with the lockdown, with uh, being away from the studio. It's uh, how how are you communicating with the rest of your team? How is that working? I mean, to be honest, joking aside, it's actually been really good. Obviously, there's all these amazing video sharing conference facilities that you've got. It's actually been quite good just to use the time to get a bit of alignment it's such a fast pace at Morgan and it's such a big team now that um you know it's hard to be inside every single detail going on whether that's in engineering or design so every morning at the moment we've been getting together for you know we're tending to have an hour each morning we're ending up having sort of three or four sometimes just going through every single detail and getting aligned on things and it's actually it's actually been quite good to have that time to um understand everyone's different thoughts and uh plan and prioritize and get ahead of things ready for when we return Oh, that's cool. That's right. It, it, it sounds like you're, you, you've you've found a way to make it really work for you, which is which is a pretty yeah. It's been good. It's been good. So yeah, we're having some quite productive conference calls, and then um, you know, finding the time to put pen to paper a bit more than often, which is nice. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's been um yeah, it's been really good actually, just to get a bit of clarity and take a breather and work out where we are and get ready to push on again. That's, that's that's fantastic. What I'd like to do, though, is I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the before time, before we were all trapped indoors and were told to stay away from other human beings. Um, so we, uh, a few a few weeks ago, a few months ago, a couple of months ago now, I suppose, um, Geneva, the motor show, was supposed to happen. We were supposed to be out there. We were supposed to have some lovely chats about uh, your shiny new car, the Plus Four. Um, but that, that didn't happen. You had to go to Geneva and and pick up a car uh what what happened there <laughs> yeah that's right that was a bit of a a bit of an odd one this year um well basically every year obviously we go to the geneva motor show it's probably the biggest european exhibition we do at morgan motor company so um a lot of time and effort goes into planning the whole thing um and every year mike smith who's um the sort of lead digital designer at morgan and myself we fly out a few days earlier <clears throat> so um the purpose is to finish dressing the show stand and make sure everything looks as it needs to look get all the audio video side of things all set up so um we were set ready to go mike was sat in my kitchen uh we we're just having a cup of tea about to drive to birmingham and then we heard the news it broke online obviously the geneva merch show being cancelled at the same time steve morris rings my phone and says um you know guys we 
Geneva's cancelled. Um, to which I sort of, oh, crikey, what do we do here then? Um, knowing full well we're about to launch the new Plus 4 and we've been building up and building up to this moment. Um, so Steve says, well, you're still going. Uh, we need to get the show cars back. Um, and it's up to you guys to do that. So uh, sort of looked at Mike and quickly sort of got online and worked out what we could do. And the guys in the marketing department were all sort of busily supporting in the background. And we discovered there was a flight to Leon from Heathrow. So um, <clears throat> that was leaving in about three hours and we're in Birmingham and it's a two and a half hour drive. So, you know, we're already on the back foot a little bit, but we quickly grabbed the gear together, repacked a bag a bit smaller into a weekend bag and um, fired down to Heathrow, got on a plane, flew to Leon. Um, luckily, Mikey had all of his camera equipment with him and being our sort of resident genius media guy, he's responsible for all the videos and photography. So we were pretty confident we could document this endeavor and so we decided to um to film and and document the uh, process of getting cars back from geneva to uh to the uk so we um landed in leon luckily the flight to leon was delayed which was a blessing so i'm not sure we would have made it otherwise from heathrow um landed in leon we then had to walk a couple of miles outside of leon airport to locate the car transporter um, which was carrying all the show cars of course, the car we wanted was the first one on, last one off. So we had to sit in a in a layby outside Leon Airport, dragging the cars out one by one. Uh, and you know, we had this we had this beautiful chassis sculpture, which was just a sort of the rolling the rolling platform with a wooden frame on top of it, just to just to show the the audience what was what it was like beneath the scenes. And of course, that was a non runner, so we had to sort of lower that down. The winch on the lorry broke. So we had to um, manually lower that down, almost running a lorry driver over in the process. So yeah, it was just straight off, really documented all of this. Um, we got the car off, plus four, um, new show car. Um, so, you know, it was sort of one of the very first cars to roll off the production line. Um, yeah, so we pulled the plus four off and then we thought, well, you know, we supposedly were going to be in Geneva that night. We had a hotel booked there anyway. So we did a quick two and a half hour sprint across to Geneva city centre. Um, popped the car in the hotel we would have been staying at and went went straight to the bar, which was quite a surreal, really. That morning, we hadn't imagined sitting in that hotel and having a, <laughs> having a beer in the bar there, but that's that's nonetheless where the journey started. Did this illicit deal with a man in a truck, got a car, went to Geneva, and then you you drove back? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So um, we thought it would be a bit um, remiss just to do the easy route straight back as the crow flies. So we um, we knew we had to be back before Monday, which is when we were launching the launching the car or showing the car when we needed it back for. So we had a couple of days to kill when we figured that um, it'd be nice to take the scenic route and make as much of the journey as we possibly could. Um, we expressed that idea to the guys back in marketing. They got all super excited. It's straight onto social media. John Wells and Mike Smith driving back the show car. <laughs> it was like, great, all eyes on us now um, to make sure I kept it in a straight line. We've committed now. Bugger. Fully committed now. So, um, so yeah, we decided to do a scenic route. Um, so we shot straight down into Geneva City to start with, a few laps around the old town and some sort of a toke on iconic shots in front of the fountain and that sort of stuff, um, full tourism mode. And then we uh, we drove from, where did we go? We went from Geneva to Basel via Bern, um, skirted past the Black Forest and up to Strasbourg, um, had some dinner in Strasbourg. And then we drove up from there to Luxembourg, trying to avoid highways all the way. So we tried to find the interesting roads and the good um, the good visual content along the way. 
um, stayed the night in Luxembourg. Um, and then in the morning we drove across Belgium um, and then back through the UK and back to the Morgan factory. So um, in total, I think we covered what well, we did cover 1056 miles. So um, that's pretty a, good going. That's a very, very long way to go in a very short time, especially in a car because you're quite a tall chap. <laughs> yeah. So it must have been a little bit of a squeeze. Um, well, to be honest, I've, over the last 12 years of being at Morgan, I've driven my fair share of Morgan's three-wheelers, four-wheelers, and then countless miles in them all. But um, the new Plus 4, you know, without doing too much corporate plugging of the product during this podcast, but the um, the new Plus 4 has a lot more legroom than previous Morgan's. So it's about 200 mil longer. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm six foot two, so... It's important that I design cars that I can fit in, I guess. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. I mean, interestingly, my predecessor was much shorter in stature. So I'm not sure if that had anything to do with it. And funnily um, enough, they're all designed to fit him perfectly. It's very strange. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, yeah. So a lot more space in the car, a lot more storage space as well um, in the back parcel shelf in particular. So um, actually surprisingly comfortable, new seat. Um, as you know, the new Plus 4 features the CX platform, dual wishbone suspension for the first time. It's a lot more compliant, um, effortless power, all the rest of it. And it's just, it's properly sorted, really. So, um, I mean, I must admit, I've driven my fair share of show cars and one-off prototypes during the, my time at Morgan as well. And, you know, not so much as the case anymore, but in the past, it wouldn't be unheard of for the odd bit or piece to fall off. But um, the Plus 4... <laughs> The plus four, I mean, you know, God's honest truth, the plus four didn't miss a beat. So um, that was quite, you know, quite um, filled you with confidence, really, for a first show car, first car off the line to be as good as it was. And it really didn't miss a beat. Absolutely, um, absolutely ate the journey, really. That's, um, a, that's a huge, huge win, frankly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And no, it was, um, it was really enjoyable. We absolutely set out to do the whole journey with the roof down. We were absolutely convinced and um i'm not sure where it was and probably managed the first four or five hundred miles like that and then heavens opened and uh we were quite good traveling at speed morgan's have always got this weird aerodynamic effect where the big flat windscreen um keeps the air above the cabin and kind of pushes rain over you so when you're traveling and moving you actually manage to stay quite dry when there's sort of light rain it's as soon as you stop at a traffic light that it's a different story but um ah. But yeah, so we gave in and pulled the roof up at one point. But um, yeah, it did most of the journey roof down as well, which is good. Well, that's, that's, it's a huge win. And and you got the car back to the factory on time for it to be unveiled to friends, family, media and uh, and people full of booze, which was, which was excellent, frankly. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. There was a great reception, um, both online and at the factory. Um, I think people liked that we were doing something different and courageous and not just sort of rescheduling it to another polished online launch promo video later on. And we actually, you know, used the car for what it was intended for and, and made a feature of that, um, getting it back to the factory and sharing it to everyone. We managed to play a rough cut of the video we'd recorded. We polished it up afterwards and released it online, which had some good reception too. But um, a lot of people comparing it to sort of Norman Dewey's E-Type adventure. I'm not sure it was quite as epic as that, but um, I mean, lovely, it was, uh, lo- lo- good fun nonetheless. <laughs> lovely Norman had, he had what, 12 hours to get from Coventry to Geneva, uh, one ferry and no auto routes. You guys had a little bit more time. Yeah, uh, a little bit more flexibility. A little bit. Yeah, I, th- I think you had less power, but more torque. Um, and there were lots of Euro t- Eurostars on the shuttles, but it's still... 
an epic drive. Frankly, it was it was incredible to hear hear that you did it, and the videos ace as well. Um, I'd like to I'd like to kind of move us move us in a slightly different direction. Um, I want to talk directly about you because we've heard lots of you talking about things that you've designed, things that you've played a part of. But what about you personally? Like, why did you go into design in the first place? Why car design? And how did you uh, how did you end up in the industry? Um, well, to be honest, I've always, I guess you saw, I don't know how far back you can really go when you start talking about these things, but I guess I've always had a, a pretty wild imagination for creating things, um, born right from my early years. I've got memories of, you know, obviously Lego and bits and things, bits and pieces like that, but, um, of just drawing, I, I can remember just drawing vehicles and, and different creations, not necessarily just cars, but all sorts of things right from an early age. Um, I used to really enjoy airbrushing and and playing with paints and bits and pieces when I was younger. Um, and I guess that sort of just continually sort of um, solidified really through my earlier years. I um, Both my um, grandparents were engineers. And so I was sort of dragged to lots of air shows and bike shows and car shows through those guys. Um, my parents, interestingly, weren't. My father was a my father is a, a linguist and a teacher. Um, and I guess, well, he is very much interested in the arts. He's He, um, he studied art history in Strasbourg, but then went on to sort of study language. Um, my mother was a scientist. Um, but um, I guess it was probably really my grandparents that installed that interest in engineering quite early on. Um, and then throughout school, I, in my sort of, um, in high school, I had a fantastic graphic design teacher, a chap called Mr. Waite, who um, I guess really sort of solidified my love for creating and um, and designing things. And um, I guess alongside all of that, I've always had a, a passion for vehicles, um, cars, notably from when I was younger, but in particular, two-wheeled vehicles, so motorbikes and um, mountain bikes in particular. So I used to mountain bike and still do mountain bike relatively seriously, but I used to compete at quite a sort of serious level um downhill mountain biking and i've always just had that love for you know mechanics and machinery and and the, the physics of what makes them work but also trying to create and design my own vehicles so um so yeah i i studied graphic design at high school and physics and bits and pieces then in sixth form i um i did an avce in art and design which uh, touched all different elements of design um there was sort of fashion elements and pottery elements and fine art and I enjoyed all of those different facets of design and art and creating. But throughout every project, we were given quite a lot of flexibility during that those that two years to um, sort of create our own briefs. And I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed imagining what the problem was before setting out to solve it. Um, and I always seemed to find myself sort of tailoring the briefs back towards something mechanical and functional and um, sort of based around vehicles. So I then sort of took the advice of my parents, who were sort of firm advocates of the educational system. And whilst they never really pushed me to go to university, they they suggested it's something I explore. Um, and through that, I discovered a, a vehicle design course. It was actually a transport design course at Huddersfield University. And at the time, Huddersfield, Coventry and Northumbria were the only real industrial design courses that were focused more on sort of vehicular travel. So... Um, I've always loved the north of England. I was still racing mountain bikes quite seriously at the time, and the university had a really good race team. The um, the halls of residence, the campus was in a 
set outside of Huddersfield in a sort of wooded area. And it just made sense to me. It felt like a great course. It combined all my skills. Um, and at that point, I probably wasn't sort of absolutely set on being a car designer as such. But I did know that I loved designing and I knew I wanted to be a designer. So to communicate through visuals and solve challenges. Um, and I figured that studying industrial design um, was the best way just to get a basic understanding of design principles, the core the core skills that you need to be able to, you know, turn this passion to imagine and create into an actual career. Um, so yeah, I started at Huddersfield University and in the first year, it was just brilliant, completely eye-opening. I um, We were doing everything from model making Land Rovers. I've always been a big Land Rover fan and we were model making Land Rovers. We were learning how to use Photoshop, which was, you know, I used to enjoy sort of airbrushing things when I was younger with a with a paintbrush and to do that digitally all of a sudden on a computer where you've got an undo button was quite um was quite an eye-opener so I discovered photoshop and digital sketching skills we looked at pastel sketching and we're encouraged again to write our own briefs and again it was sort of combining the practical nature of industrial design the physics which I've always been you know keen to understand and then also the artistic sort of element um which is brilliant, really. And, you know, again, in that sort of first couple of years, we started clay modelling and that sort of went on to become what I was really passionate about, my element of industrial design sort of surfacing, um, be that in clay or digital digital CAD surfacing. So, um, so yeah, really, really satisfying. I knew straight away then that's what I wanted to do. Um, and it was a broadly a vehicle design course. So we, we covered bikes and public transport and that was really good to get inspirations from different types of vehicle travel. But there's certainly a large portion of that was cars. So, um, so yeah, we, um, so yeah, that was really, that, that was really the point when I knew I wanted to be an industrial designer and, and discovered the sort of the careers in front of me. So the, 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 the cars element of, of the degree course kind of dragged you in that direction. You say you, you didn't wake up one morning when you were six and go, I really want to design cars. You kind of went, I like design. I like this. Oh, cars are a thing that's actually feasible. And off you went. Is, is that kind well, of how this, it worked? Yeah to, some, yeah, to some degree. I mean, I shouldn't understand it. I've always been a huge, you know, huge passion. passion. I've always had a huge passion for all vehicles, you know, cars, motorbikes, planes, anything really, anything mechanical that moves you, you know, be that emotionally or physically. I've sort of always been excited by that. And sort of car design seemed so unobtainable. It seemed sort of, you know, how do you get to that point? And it was this course really that showed me that that was an option. Um, and I mentioned my sort of love for surfacing. Whilst I enjoyed designing other vehicles, I've always enjoyed sculpture. I've always enjoyed clay modeling and creating forms and surfaces and playing with light and the way you can manipulate a, the surface of an object, whatever that object is, to communicate something, whether it's to communicate its purpose or just to be beautiful or just to move someone emotionally or, you know, just to solve a challenge aerodynamics or something you know and and cars are where you really get to explore sculpture and surfacing much more so than you do with other vehicles so it was cars really that was the appeal very very early on and this was sort of in the first the first sort of portion of um university um and then we started doing these live projects and i can remember and this was only sort of my second year at university maybe we had a a live project with tvr um and at the time, there was a designer called Graham Brown, I believe, um, who came in and he, he set a live project brief to the students um, amongst me. And 
the output of this project was to, you know, whoever put forward the, the best design, as it were, got to go and tour the facilities at TVR, do a bit of further work with them, um, but also get hold of a Tuscan 2 for a, for a while. And, that you know, do. I'm a, so I've been, I had a fairly sort of modest background, you know, and I've never really been around exotic cars in my sort of imminent proximity, looked at them in magazines relentlessly and read about them. But, you know, I'd never really engaged with a car of that level, even to that point. And uh, I can remember taking this, taking this Tuscan 2 around the ring road at Huddersfield and just being so blown away by the way it moved you, you know, just in everything, the way it looked, the way, the way it sounded. And I, would, I can remember sitting there as a, you know, how old will I have been? 19 years old, looking at this designer who was taking responsibility for this thing. You know, he'd obviously labored it. He obviously was very passionate about it. He'd have overcome lots of challenges that he was helping to teach us to think about and overcome. And then here he was sort of, you know, driving this thing and enjoying it. And that was sort of the first time I realized that, you know, cars are obtainable. I could become a car designer and it sort of captured everything that I loved, the starting of the imagination right through to seeing something tangible and real in the real world. And that's the kind of excitement, really. Um, and now, you know, after that, we did a little bit more TVR. We then did some work with Land Rover. But what really struck me about TVR was the size of the team. It was very, very small team. Um, very, very intense, very focused. Everybody was very, very passionate about what they do. Exactly the same as Morgan is really. Um, so, so yeah, and I guess it was probably in my third year then, there was a, um, a chap called David Arbuckle, who was a, a bit of a design hero at Rover back in the day. And David Arbuckle was Matt Humphreys, who was the, my predecessor at Morgan. He was his mentor um, and did a bit of work with Matt Humphreys on a KTP scheme. And David had some links with Huddersfield and he suggested to Matt, just as, you know, design was starting to make its mark on Morgan through the work Matt did with Aramax and the early, early days. And um, he suggested Matt looks to expand the design team, bring in some new skills and that he should go down the route of getting some students in. And Matt went to a few universities, did a few interviews, and um, I ended up getting some work experience during my time at uni um, through Matt. I can never remember the interview. Matt walked in. And Matt's an amazing character. He's got great, great presence. And um, I can remember Matt walked in and I had to apologise to him. I said, I can't shake your hand. I'd broken my hand mountain biking that previous weekend. And uh, so I'm so sorry I can't shake your hand. But I think Matt just didn't hear that. He shook my hand so hard. Mm. My eyes were watering. <laughs> but anyway, I managed to I managed to get through this interview with Matt. And, um, and he offered me the job. So in my third year at uni, I sort of took a year out to go and spend some time working with Morgan. And this was just as we were conceptualizing the life car hydrogen fuel cell concept. Um, you know, this was radical. You know, I knew about Morgan. I, I grew up not too far from the factory and, you know, I'd followed the brand and I knew what they did, but um, never really sort of struck me as a, maybe a sort of design leading company that I wanted to be part of until I got under the skin of it and realized Matt's, Matt and Charles and Steve and the senior management's ambition to sort of push the brand forward. And it was really eye-opening, you know, it very much felt like this was the start of something incredible for Morgan. Um, so to do Life Car with Matt was just absolutely brilliant. And my job there was to turn Matt's sort of sketches into something 3D and tangible for the engineering team and for the craftsmen on the shop floor to actually communicate in 3D a little bit better. So historically, sort of concept sketches for cars feature very large wheels, very dramatic proportions, and their sole objective is to communicate um, 
some drama and some emotion and what the car is all about in the most dramatic way possible to conjure excitement. But rarely can you take a 2D concept designer's sketch and turn it into something tangible. You need to walk that journey of turning it into a 3D product. And that's, I guess, where I fitted in a little bit. I was able to take Matt's ideas and sketches, add value to those, hopefully to some degree as well, but moreover, turn them into something 3D and something people could could relate to and understand a bit better. Um, so... Um, so yeah, as we turned life car into a form together, led led by Matt's thinking on that one, um, but we turned that into a concept car, which was then launched in my following year. Um, I returned back to university at that point as, um, as something of a hero. Like, hey guys, didn't even need the degree. Look at how amazing I am. <laughs> well, yeah. To be honest, the car design courses are there's there's three or four of them now. They might have up to 60 people in a group, but you know, there's not that many car studios, especially in the UK. So you were anyone that did get experience with industry was very lucky. So I do consider myself fortunate. But yeah, I did come back with a bit of a taste for the real world, which was really eye-opening. At university you'd spend hours and hours and hours labouring over sketches to make them perfect pieces of art. And as soon as I'd finished my year at Morgan, I was, you know, much more used to doing things quickly and on demand and being very objective about what each drawing and each illustration was setting out to achieve, not necessarily just trying to be a, you know, brilliant artist, um, had a much more real understanding of how these skills would be applied in the real world, which I think really then helped my final year at university. I mean, the final year for me was a bit tricky at university. I had um, a loss in the family. I lost my mother in the final year at university. And it was actually during my, um, during the morning of my mother's funeral, Matt rang me up and said, um, he had no idea. And he, he rang me up and said, oh, mate, I've got some good news for you. We're able to offer you a six-week placement. And uh, that was a real, you know, little blessing that was. And so then, I'm um, really conflicted about this news, Matt. I can't exactly explain why. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but can I call you back? It was a bit like that. It was a bit like that. But, um, you know, it certainly put... Um, I mean, that was just amazing. I'd never dreamt of, you know, getting a job as a car designer. So to hear that on that day was, you know, it was a, it was a real touch. It was a, it was special. And um, and yeah, so I started a six week placement, and my my job was it was only a six week contract. That's all they could offer me at the time. And my job was to design a pedal car. So my first Morgan vehicle that I ever owned and had responsibility for was a little Morgan Junior pedal car. Um, which um, was really good, actually. They sold loads of them on the back of it. It was a great front project. But it doesn't matter whether you're designing a, a toothbrush or a pedal car or a sports car. The process is the same. It's You have an imagination and an idea, and you sketch and you communicate those ideas. You overcome challenges. You understand materials and the ergonomics of packaging people within them, the mechanical constraints, the manufacturing constraints. And then you work with a craftsman to develop the product. And then, you know, you finally produce something that hopefully benefits the company in some way that you work for. So that was, um, you know, that was a great little project to cut my teeth on. But of course, as soon as I was in the door, I started continuing my work on the four-wheeled um, motorized vehicles as well. And, you know, we we'd started growing this design team by that point and I just never left. I'm not sure. Not even sure. I signed a contract. <laughs> just so, so you, been at Morgan ever since. <laughs> you, 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 had, you had a six-week contract for for after university, and uh, and you just it just never. And never just really, never left. Never left. Yeah. That's excellent. I mean, that, that's the way it should be done. Uh, that's that's a that's a hell of a way to get into it, though. Well done. Well done, that man. Um. So where where do you so you've you, you've been with Morgan for twelve years. Yeah. Um, you've worked on on a fair few 
projects like how do you how do you keep the design how do you keep the language how do you keep the 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 vehicles kind of moving forward but also keeping it morgan so if we look at plus four the the uh the the brand new plus four if you put it if if you looked at it in isolation you would think ah that is a morgan plus four but if you look at it next to the old one actually you'll see there's quite a bit of difference there so how do you keep that moving how do you keep morgan fresh so yeah, I think it's an interesting. It's it's a fascinating brand, really. Morgan, there's the you know you say Morgan cars to somebody, and the first thing that pops people's head is the sort of iconic plus four. But just in just in my time at Morgan, you know, which is relatively relatively short, there was the life car, um, there was the the three wheeler, there was the Aeromax, the Aero Supersport, the Targa, the Coupe, the Ever GT concept car countless revisits of the classic range and different limited editions and collaborations um loads of special projects for customers some of which never really were saw but were incredibly diverse and different um and then of course the plus four and the plus six recently aero series five ev3 the electric car so morgan's got a great breadth of portfolio and um and variation really um throughout the years so in terms of morgan's breadth of portfolio there's been that many different products there's actually a lot to draw upon not just in the last 10 years but going back you know from the early days of crazy three wheelers and right through to sort of the racing era and then the birth of the aero there's a lot to pull back from there so i guess our challenge really is to dissect and understand what it is that makes a morgan and then see how far we can challenge those different ingredients um, and still end up with a product that's authentic and, you know, has, has Morgan at, at its core. Um, something that we've especially been doing over the last few years, last couple of years in particular, is taking a much, much longer view down the road. Because obviously the biggest impact on vehicles is is the social climates in which we live in so whether that's customers expectations of what cars are for or whether that's driven by legislation in terms of technology and packaging all of these things really impact the way a car behaves and the way a car looks so it's not just a case of sort of freshening up the design from a visual point of view you have to take a very long view down the road and understand what's coming and be ready for it and then also understand how to how to overcome that that challenge so for example electrification is obviously a very big part of the world at the moment and the automotive world at the moment and what should an electric morgan be and you know there's lots of different ways of approaching that we explored prototypes on four-wheeled electric cars but you know they became quite heavy with battery technology at the time a few years ago and they kind of lost their identity as a lightweight british sports car so that prompted us to explore the three-wheeler platform um which is a much lighter, more compact car, more focused on driving experience. And we very soon realised, and something we still sort of, sort of preach today, is that you know we're not trying to make a Morgan electric. We're trying to make an electric Morgan. Um, and so it's that sort of being very clear on what's coming and then what your approach to that challenge is going to be, that then inevitably leads to fresh and exciting new ideas. So that's the biggest thing for us in terms of how we freshen up design moving forward. It's about taking a long view down the road um, and really stick into our ambitions about moving this brand forward too. I can remember, um, you know, many years ago sitting, sitting down with Matt right at the, right at the start of my tenure and sort of, we, we spent hours talking about what this brand could become, what, what the cars could look like, what the concept vehicles could be, what the audiences could be, how they could behave. And, um, you know, I think having a firm view on what your ambitions are for the brand and trying to broaden the range and trying to 
increase the brand's appeal, whilst also not forgetting the heritage that's got us here. Puts you on a really nice line just to continually progress and evolve and explore what the future could be. If, if, we, if we're thinking about uh, how um, what the future could be, you're talking about looking back into some of Morgan's past to bring some of that forward. Um, what what kind of areas of, of design interest you? Like, are there other brands? Is there a certain era, cars or objects? I know we've spoken, you and I have spoken before about, um, you know, the, the, the era cars informing the EV3. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think... Um... I think it's very important for any designer to have that imagination to, and to be honest i often get asked what what are your inspirations what are the things that you know inspire this design and it's often very difficult to pinpoint that to one particular thing i personally believe it's very important to have a a very sort of active exploratory mind and constantly explore and imagine and analyze all the different things around you so um you know i'm still a an avid motorcyclist and I love motorbikes. I follow the motorbike design industry and I'm particularly interested about how EV technologies are influencing the shape and design of motorbikes. Motorbikes are a very, almost the purest form of man and machine interaction. They, you know, the the bodywork is the aesthetics, but it's also the bit you grip your legs with to drive a vehicle. Everything has function, everything has purpose. So um, the design of motorcycles has always interests me and continues to interest me. Um, I'm still an avid mountain biker and very similar, the mechanics and the machinery and the very sort of industrial mechanical nature of bikes still influences what I do, no doubt at all. My partner is actually a um, a fairly well-established jewellery designer. Um, so inevitably, we spend a great deal of time close to that industry. And um, I find jewellery design absolutely fascinating. It's not dissimilar to cars in a lot of ways. You have to have an inherent understanding of materials and the way materials behave um, in order to be able to produce and manufacture your designs and your creations. Um, and there's also the very similar process. So you you start with discussing with a client, understanding the needs. You then communicate those ideas visually, and pen craft is really important to sketch and draw. Um, Kelly will then make a CAD model of a potential ring, uh, or she'll carve that out of wax before taking a casting, either from a wax carving or from a 3D print, um, and then, you know, cast and polish and finish the final piece. And, you know, that's not dissimilar to making a car in a lot of senses. So jewellery design really interests me. Um, and I don't know, I mean, I'm interested in all sorts of things. And I'm not sure your inspirations come from any one particular thing, but just the the constant eyes open attitude to look at so many different things and and seek the beauty and the excitement, understand the challenges that went into creating that product. And I think if you spend a life actively doing that, that stuff is all sort of bottled up somewhere in the back of your head. And when you do come to face a particular challenge, it all just sort of comes flooding out. Um, so it's having a really broad view of everything. But I've got to be honest, the biggest inspiration is the team in which I work with at Morgan. When I started at Morgan, there was two of us. Um, and we became quite soon responsible for all the visual sort of communications. So, you know, we, we could use Photoshop and they went, hey, John, you know how to use Photoshop. Can you start creating the brochures for Morgan or the website for Morgan? And, you know, you had these skills that you learned by being a car designer that were relevant to other aspects of the business. So the design team at Morgan has never just been a purely car design related 
team. It's always been about broadening the brand and all of the visual communications. And now we have nine designers and I'm essentially responsible for all the visual output of the brand. But it's those guys that are creating this content every single day, just constantly coming up with new and inspiring ideas and challenges and problems. And that's the real joy. Every day you've got these people who are real thinkers who are constantly challenging and creating inspirations and ideas and working and living in that environment, I think is, you know, where a lot of the design influence comes from just seeing that real mixed media team working and, and delivering great ideas, but then not just in the creative team. I think um, we've always, we historically we've been the marketing team at Morgan, but now as the company's growing and um, getting to where it needs to be, we have an incredible marketing team too. And the market the marketing in itself is, you know, it's very much a creative um, a creative craft to to market and communicate things. So we work really closely with those guys too, which also inspire and influence you because you have to understand how these products are being used and what the consumers respond to to be able to design a good car. So I guess um, working closely with the product definition teams, the marketing teams, the sales teams, and of course the customers, um, that all inspires what you do. So over the last 12 years, the way that the way Morgan works has, by the sounds of things, changed dramatically. Oh, completely. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, you know, Morgan had this amazing sort of amazing brand to fall upon. We've all got this incredible history and this, this very constant, very solid, very dependable brand full of a lot of richness. Um, but I do believe that over the last sort of decade, design has had a real influence on the way that brand is portrayed and opened many more people's eyes to, you know, the joys and the excitement that this brand offers. Um, and over the time, you know, we've gone from sort of doing things because we want to, or in reaction to something to now taking a much further look down the road in terms of what's coming up and being ready for it. So rather than being a sort of reactive brand, we've become a bit more of a proactive brand in some senses um, and are really, you know, ensuring that there is a strong and confident and a future that will continually grow and continually broaden and be ready for anything that the modern automotive world throws at us, really. If, if we think about the, the modern automotive world, um, sadly, because Geneva wasn't on, but if we if it was on, we would have walked around the halls and we would have seen plenty of uh, mobility concepts and, you know, electric pods to take you from a to b without having to have much much input um do you think the the industry and, and the future of car design is going to move more towards that and how do you see morgan working around that will morgan always be a company that that creates or at least from the design side uh, will morgan always be you know uh driver input or will there be one day the morgan aeropod <laughs> i mean that's a that's a fascinating subject which you can talk forever for the future of the automotive industry and um, where Morgan's place is within that. I think the biggest change really is the the electronics, certainly certainly in you know my time at Morgan, how I've seen things becoming more and more important. The electrical side of motor vehicle development is becoming so advanced nowadays. It's no longer sort of fuel and air and you know crank the thing over. it's it's so complex in terms of the technology now. Um, we obviously do a lot of work with BMW um, on on engines and powertrains, and you know these engines are different engines nowadays. So the impact of electronics and technology that's now embedded in any car, and that's not just the powertrain; that's also 
sort of consumer interaction. You know, cars are becoming so much more co connected to everyday life. You know, they either get you home or they lead you home or they engage with your playlists. They're your form of communication while you're commuting. People are spending longer in cars. They're driving more in cars and cars are required to, to do a lot more to engage with people via technology. So I think, you know, the future of car design, definitely sort of mobility and propulsion are one thing, but also the connected world is another huge element. I think Morgan makes sports cars, and it's important that we recognise that in some ways we have to remain the sort of antidote to that sort of mass sort of sanitised motoring where technology overtakes experience a little bit. And we need to keep an eye on what we do offer. And as a result, I think sports cars will always be that little bit more analog than the majority of things out there. But nonetheless, this technology does really influence the shape and the packaging of cars. You know, electric motors don't require big power, big sort of engine blocks at the front of the vehicle. You know, the motors can start being situated in the wheels. So without a large bonnet, what do you, what do you use that space for? The whole package of the vehicle changes. You've also got safety and, and crash and especially sort of, you know, the mid 20s, we're going to see the GSR implications coming in, the general safety regulations, which look at things like pedestrian impact and packaging cameras and sensors around the vehicles, which aren't small units and aren't easy to position on a, a slender, delicate chrome A-post. You know, so all of this technology, which is coming through, is really going to have an influence on what these cars look like. So I think it's just it's vitally important for us to keep that long view down the road and start exploring how the brand is going to evolve its products um, and do so in a way that's sensitive and authentic and the way Morgan do things. Um, and it's becoming much more important for designers like myself and the team to understand these technologies, understand how consumers use these products, um, understand the world that the Morgan brand lives in um, and be sort of very resolute in what it is that we want to offer throughout all of that. Um, just to, you know, continue to strive and, and stand out in this, in this era without compromising what Morgan's all about. You talk a lot about the long view and looking down the road. So how's, how's Morgan going to look in, in 20, 30 years or even 10 for that matter? Because um, for, from aesthetic point of view at the moment, obviously the, the, the design is, is, uh, should we say, leans more towards the old school? Does that mean as technology builds, uh, are Morgan's vehicles going to kind of shift forward a decade or two to fit the new tech in? Or is, is the design going to be the same? Is, is Morgan going to be that, that sort of time capsule, albeit one with modern tech thrown on? That's that's the that's the fantastic challenge that we you know have to continually explore and and discover, um, and we are doing so right now. We're with we're we've got a much better picture of what's coming around the corner than we've ever had before as a company. Um, the engineering team has grown, you know, similar to the design team from when I started. There was four engineers and two designers, and now there's you know thirty odd engineers and nine designers, and um, and that just represents the level of complexity and understanding you need to have to deliver an automotive product in, in today's world, really. Um, so yeah, we have to be influenced by these challenges. We have to work really closely with the engineering teams, much more so than ever before, um, and start to embrace this technology in such a way that we're still keeping authenticity in our products. So by that, I mean, 
we definitely understand there is a lot of heritage to Morgan. This is a complicated question to answer. I need to, you know, think of the best way of phrasing this without giving away everything that we're doing in the future. Um, but essentially, we've always got this delicate line to walk. How do you embrace modern technology, but still create a coach-built car that's got its inspirations sort of firmly rooted in, you know, the early eras of the last century? How do you how do you walk that line between the two without creating a pastiche? And I think the answer to that is to ensure that everything we do is honest and functional and done for a reason and isn't just sort of decorative. So, for example, we don't use wood in the cars because we've always used wood. We use wood in the cars because what it does is enable us to invest much less in heavy steel tooling to align the vehicle together and complicated metallic B structures. And we're able to hang this car, this body, over a platform um, whereby the body is structurally independent to the platform. And wood enables us to quickly shape and change and manipulate forms and just invest in the A surfaces of the car. And similar, we can adjust production volumes to suit um, to suit demand. Um, and wood enables us to do that. It also enables us to capture certain tolerances. It's also very sustainable, obviously, um, but it's also really good for things like noise, vibration and harshness. So as we move forward, we need to start asking these questions. Does wood make sense in this car? Should we be doing it just because we've always used wood? Or is there another way of achieving those same things? Achieving a lightweight British sports car that can still be made by hand, can still offer flexibility in manufacture. So I guess the what I'm getting at is that whilst we've got this very rich pool of tradition and heritage and lots of things we've always done in a certain way, it's also possible for us to explore how else we might achieve those same things, but with new shapes and new materials and new techniques. And I actually believe Morgan, as a result, is much more flexible than people often give it credit for. When we launched the EV3, we took away the combustion engine. We took away the noise of an engine. Um, we also used carbon fibre in the bonnets for the first time. But I don't believe anyone said, oh, no, this isn't a Morgan. You know, the EV3 was really embraced as a Morgan. And that was because it was still coach built. It was still made by hand by the same craftsman. It still contained a great deal of the Morgan DNA, whether that be the face or the visual character of the car or the sort of period inspired detailing around the vehicle, like the Bakelite selection switch or the fisheye digital lens. And we took this technology and we packaged it in such a way that it was sort of relevant to our audience and relevant to our values um, without being afraid to introduce new shapes and new features. Um, and as a result, we made a fun, lightweight, British sports car that was, you know, great fun to drive and embrace technology at the same time. And that for me sort of epitomizes what Morgan needs to do going forward. It needs to embrace this technology and not be scared of it, but also keep a firm eye on the constants, the the things that really make Morgan a Morgan and be careful not to dilute those too much. Uh, so in, in 20 to 30 years or even 10 years, a Morgan will still feel like a Morgan, even if it doesn't quite look like the ones we're used to now is that fair to say definitely yeah i mean i mean let's let's look at what morgan offers morgan offers a a complete antidote to everyday driving this is a car that is visually striking it's it's a very emotional product um all the touch points are about stimulating emotion you know it's smell it's texture it's craft it's passion it's driving experience it's you know engaging with a motor car purely for the requirement to feel alive, to have an experience, to have an adventure. And I think there'll always be a place for that um, in the automotive industry where others, you know, offer the sort of everyday consumer A to B vehicles, which definitely have their place as well. Morgan's 
sort of niche, if you like, is to offer that complete experience, um, which is about emotion and joy. Um, but this technology that is on, on the horizon, you can't ignore. It's important to have a real keen eye on sustainability. And that's something Morgan's always done. You know, we're a very low energy manufacturing plant. Our cars are on the road for decades you know they're not sort of back to ground after 10 years like many electric cars are these these cars are kept for years and years and years which in itself is very sustainable um and you know it's important to embrace sustainability and one of the best ways of doing that is lowering your emissions obviously as well so we have to consider things like new powertrain technology we also have to look at you know impending safety regulations things like pedestrian impact could potentially lift the bonnet of a morgan by you know 50 or 100 millimeters to allow adequate clearance between the a surface and and the powertrain beneath it things like um lane detection and and sensors and cameras around the cars are all quite big things to package which inevitably are going to start impacting the silhouette of the morgan the shapes of the a pillars and and the glazed areas that you see um Airbags aren't small. Modern powertrains aren't small. You have turbos and and um, big powertrains nowadays, which all need to be packaged within what we have as a very small footprint. So you know the challenges are definitely there, and it, you know it'd be remiss to say that the the design won't have to change to accommodate some of these things. I just think it's very important to recognise these things are coming, and map a very clear journey that warts Morgan forward over the next decade to start answering some of these things and do it in a very authentic Morgan way. If we, if we talk about sort of the, the more immediate uh, future, you're saying about how powertrains are changing, uh, there's turbocharging and uh, they're getting bigger. Uh, in the last two years, Morgan has released the Plus 6, uh, which replaced obviously the, uh, the Plus 8 and the Plus 4. They're based on the same platform, yet one's a wide body, one's a narrow body. Now, we, were, uh, we, we, we spoke about this uh, a couple of months ago, how actually the narrow body car was the tougher of the two and you managed to get wire wheels homologated and and working on a modern a modern sports car, which for, for those of us who aren't well versed in uh, automotive design, manufacture and engineering, why is getting wire wheels to work on a, on a modern sports car such a big deal? Um. See the CX, the CX development over the last few years has just been an absolute roller coaster. It's been it's been brilliant, and the company has done a lot of maturing and a lot of growing up, embracing all of these technologies and um, these new powertrains and all the challenges that come with them. The CX perfectly represents where Morgan is and where Morgan is going. So it's definitely it's definitely good to talk around that. Um, when we first launched the Plus Six, as you say, we you know that was the first time we also announced the CX platform. And that's quite significant to me. The The announcement of the Plus 6 and the Plus 4 is as much about what those cars offer as about the journey that got us there and the CX platform that underpins them. So when we developed the, um, when we started the CX program, it's nearly five years ago now, the first car we developed was the Plus 4. It wasn't the Plus 6. Um, and that was because the Plus 4 is worst case. It, we, knew, we knew straight away that we needed to protect the silhouette of the classic Morgan. You know, this is an iconic design. It still has a, a huge place in the marketplace. It still is a core product for us. And we could very easily destroy that design if we took the easiest routes and the easiest solutions um, to everything. And one of the, well, a couple of the key attributes are of the silhouette of the car, obviously. The fact we have a very narrow central body and a very sort of wide running board. Um, that means that all your component packaging is pushed towards the center line of the vehicle but most importantly 
for any guard designer really is how the car sits as it's sat there stationary that initial impression of the car that primary attraction is comes from how it sits on its wheels and stance is everything on a vehicle you know a car designer will sort of tell you you can almost take any car in the world no matter how ugly it is and improve it somehow with the wheels and how it sits on them um and that was really important to get right even a pontiac aztec even a pontiac aztec (laughs) slight adjustment to stance is a big wheels i mean you know some things are you know a lost cause but um you can certainly improve anything a mitsuoka orochi a little bit of work on the stance, you know, you can improve it. I'm not saying you can make it <laughs> desirable, but you can certainly improve it with stance. And um, so that was that was the big driver, really. How do we maintain these cars looking lightweight and good on their wheels with a really great negative offset? Um, the challenge, of course, we got with the classic Morgans is, is traditionally they had sliding pillar suspension, leaf springs, a live axle, drum brakes, and all of these things can sit quite inboard and enable a big centre lock hub. A wire wheel isn't like an alloy wheel where all the structure of the wheel can be pushed to the outside of the rim. It's dependent in how it's made to have these spokes sort of triangulating from the inside of the rim to the outside of the rim. So that pushes your whole corner package inboard to enable you to continue that centre lock wire wheel deep dish. Um, And of course, that presented our engineering team with a huge challenge. How do you introduce calipers and disc brakes and big uprights and dual wishbone suspension um, and shock absorbers and big dampers and everything in a car that's got such a dramatic negative offset. Uh, And that's something that I don't believe anyone else has really achieved on a modern vehicle. So what the guys in engineering overcame to manage to create a compliant, well-handling car, but maintain that huge offset on the wheels was a real, you know, that was a a big triumph for the guys there. But, you know, one of many on the CX platform. Turbocharged engines just run so hot and, you know, we we couldn't start putting vents and grills and apertures all over the front of cars. We just don't have the the real estate to do that. We have this tiny horseshoe cow. So um, to get the cars running cold, um, and get the air inside, you know, we started looking at really advanced internal CFD, that's computer fluid dynamics, to understand how the air was moving around the engine bay in the most efficient way. There's little nostrils and vents that have appeared on the modern cars that, you know, at a glance, they might look like styling accents, but in reality, they're all very, very functional. CFD sounds like sounds like an awfully modern thing for Morgan. I think a lot of people would be quite surprised to hear you mention stuff like that. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's very modern team. It's um it's amazing really, and I love that. I love that about Morgan. I love that you sort of we use modern computer edited design tools. Every single component of a new plus six or a new plus four, including the chassis and body and everything, every single component is known to CAD computer edited design. Every single part has been modelled by a CAD design engineer um, and exists in a digital world where we can do analysis and feasibility and assess manufacturing and assembly before we've ever you know made a prototype part and that's a first for morgan you know the previous traditional outgoing morgan didn't exist in in the cad at all and now we're an entirely digital company in that sense we've got this amazing design studio now just slightly off site two minutes down the road um mdec it's called morgan design and engineering center um and we practice every part of automotive design that any other company would we have 
high voltage electronics specialists. We've got electronics guys. We've got homologation and approvals engineers, um, computer aided design engineers, mechanical chassis structure, ride and handling dynamics, modeling, surfacing. You know, every every part of any modern automotive process exists in this practice within Morgan as well. And then we produce a coach-built, handcrafted car using, you know, talented craftsmen on the shop floor to deliver that. And it's that juxtaposition between the modern and, and the traditional, which is, um, this is a really sort of unique thing about Morgan. So we've, I, I know we've taken up a lot of your time and you have important busy work and meetings to have with people about what's coming next year uh, and beyond. Um, so before before we go, just a, a, a couple of quickish ones. Um, so which uh, so you've you've been at Morgan for for twelve years. Um, what's your what's some, some of your kind of favourite uh, points? What are your highlights? What what's what stands out as as, as proud bits? What are you going to look back and tell you t- tell your lad? Well, well, boy, when I was when when I was at Morgan, I did this and I did that. Oh, it's amazing, really. There's um, I don't know. There's so many. Morgan is, you know, much more than just a job. It is a complete lifestyle. You know, it's your friends and it's, um, you know, it's everything really. There's been so many incredible memories. I don't know, just to think of a few. I mean, when I first started was a centenary. I guess that's something I'm not going to see another one of. So that was 100 years of Morgan. Um, and all the centenary celebrations were so special. The, the gala dinners and the events we did all around the world to celebrate the centenary. Um, you know, just countless incredible events during that year. I guess um, taking cars to European events, Villa Deste was ever so special. Used to really enjoy taking vehicles there. Um, Pebble Beach, similar. I mean, you've you've been to Pebble Beach. It's just absolutely nuts. I guess, you know, our our first trip to Pebble Beach, we we flew to San Francisco and we drove a Dodge Charger down Highway 1 to get to to Pebble Beach. And that that was pretty special too two Brits both wearing straw trilbies driving a Dodge Charger down Highway 1 to go and swan around Pebble Beach for a week. That was that was pretty special. What, what, hell, boy? Um, that's it, that's it. And we used to, you know, another many fun memories from Milan Design Week. We, we, used, we visit Milan Design Week and I used to love that. Milan Design Week, if you've never been, the whole Zona Dortazona in the centre of Milan gets overtaken. Every shop front, every house becomes a an art installation or an exhibition and you know, of every brand in the world is represented there, and just showing the the creative underpinnings of these brands, and communicating visuals and and products in such exciting ways. And our showroom in in Italy and Milan is you know right in the heart of this area, so we used to go there every year and present cars amongst this world. And you know that was amazing to see Morgan hold its own within the modern design and creative community and present a really strong message. So I used to love love Milan Design Week because that was always a highlight of the year um, to go to Milan and present these things. One year the, the volcano exploded, I can't remember where it was, and and stopped all and grounded all flights. But we had a, a friend's leaving do from Morgan in Birmingham happening that evening. So we took it upon ourselves to drive a roadster back from the showroom that the dealer needed back at the factory. And we uh, we took a roadster back. And we did drive that whole journey from Milan to Birmingham. And, Good Lord. But um, that was real Top Gear style tag team driving. And we did keep the roof down all the way on that one, just in time to pull up at the um, at the nightclub for last orders and see our friend off. And that was pretty special. <laughs> Pulled up outside a nightclub in Birmingham in a Morgan Roadster, roof down, presumably absolutely knackered. Just, par- just 
parked it, parked it up, locked the doors, tossed the bouncer a tenner to get in. It's be like, yeah, so friends leaving, do yeah? We we just got here from uh, from Milan, darling. <laughs> it was something like that. Yeah, that was um, that was pretty epic. Um, I don't know. There's just there's just been countless. I mean, in terms of proud moments, it often comes back to the products, I guess. I mean, launching EV3, it was you know so new and so controversial and and so well received i guess we could say um you know gratefully it was it was it was really well received as a product and that was a really nice one you know which i could call my own and um yeah i mean it was a team of us that delivered that car obviously but you know it was it was my responsibility to to help that happen so um that was that was a proud moment when we delivered ev3 aero 8 as well series 5 aero 8 the first drive up the hill at goodwood in that car was pretty special moment i won't forget um I don't know. There's been all sorts of crazy and exciting adventures. I once raced a an aeroplane on a on a runway with him flying upside down above me, and in an aero at about 130 mile an hour, which was pretty um pretty intense. As you do, as you do. There's yeah. never a dull day at Morgan. But um, to be honest, the most enjoyable thing is the the everyday of the overcoming the challenges that get set having new ideas, developing new ideas with the team, working with the guys and the engineering teams and the marketing teams and just solving and overcoming challenges every single day. That's that's the real joy and the real excitement. Um, you know, and if you can make a car lighter or more cost effective or benefit the company in some way whilst you're doing these challenges, I guess that's you know, really enjoyable as well. Um, yeah, it really kind of gets under your skin, really. And it's exciting to be part of the company over the last 10 years to see where it was and where it is now and watch as it's grown and continues to grow. And um, I think we're always looking forward. That's that's the nice thing. And to be honest, the, the cars I'm most proud of are the ones that no one's seen yet. You know, we're always looking forward. My partner tells me I look forward too much and need to live in the present a bit more, but we're constantly looking at what's next. And it's it's those things that really are exciting me at the moment. What's, what's on the drawing boards for the years to come? Um, and you know that's what I'm really proud so of. So there is there is lots of exciting stuff to come, but we can't hear about it just yet, which is frustrating, especially for me because I want to know. Uh, <laughs> so before uh, we let you go, uh, we've got some generic quick fire off the top of your head. No need to think about an answer. Questions: Are you ready, John Wells? I'm ready. Two, three, or four wheels. Two, three, and four wheels. Two, three, or four? Oh, all of them. <laughs> all of them. All of them. <laughs> Automatic or manual? Manual. Naturally aspirated or forced induction? Mm, naturally aspirated, although there's definitely exceptions. Uh, what is what was your uh, bedroom wall poster car? Oh, bedroom wall poster car. Uh, I had a 930 Porsche Turbo on the bedroom wall next to a Series 2A Land Rover and a uh, two liter S Capri. <laughs> that is eclectic. What? <laughs> no, no, I learned to drive in a Capri. A 930 and, Turbo. Um, uh, a 930 Turbo is a 930 Turbo. A Land Rover so. Defender, uh, a Land Rover and... It was a 2A, I think. Capri. Yeah. <laughs> what? A Capri, yeah. Mate. Yeah, and then loads of motorbikes, loads and loads of motorbikes. Okay, well, that's, that's all right. You're, you're allowed to still us hell of a mix. Wow. <laughs> uh, and finally, what is the best road you've ever driven? Oh, that's tricky. Oh, I don't know. The incredible roads in the Black Forest. Uh, Highway 1 was pretty special. There's probably much to do with the car and the, the time and place. Uh, I mean, the, I love driving I love driving the circuit of Como, Lake Como, the circuit around there. 
But to be honest, if I'm in the motorbike, this that's Welsh Welsh roads. You can't really beat some of the the Welsh roads. Too hard. Not possible to answer that question. Wonderful. Well, John Wells, thank you so so much for joining us, uh, and thank you for for telling us about yourself and about about what's coming for for Morgan. Genuinely fascinating. Thank you so much. No problem at all, Alex. Thank you. John Wells there with some pretty ace stories spanning his 12-year career. Who knew that he was the guy that designed that three-wheel pedal car? Well, I suppose he did, and now we do, which is fantastic. Tune in again for another exciting guest, some more tales of Morgan Daring Do. And don't forget to rate, review, and tell all your mates about Talking Shop so more people can hear it. Until next time, thanks for listening, and goodbye.